We are continuing in our series that we've been in called The Secret Sauce. And we've been digging into this issue, this topic of honor. And we have a great example that we've looked at over the last several weeks. And it's when Jesus shows up in his own hometown. Let me translate that for you. Jesus went home. He went home to his family, to his brothers, to his sisters, to his mother, to his father, to his friends, to his loved ones, to people that knew him from Torah class and everything in between. And Jesus shows up and the scripture says that he could not do many miracles there. He, it wasn't that he didn't want to. It's that he couldn't. And the question is, why couldn't Jesus do what he did everywhere else? And the scripture tells us that Jesus says this. He says, a prophet is not without reward except in his hometown. That's powerful. I'm going to tell you why. Because here's what it reveals. It's not that God can't do what he wants to do in your life. It's if you'll honor him that allows the door to be open for your life to receive all that he's already provided. This, you know, I'm going off script here, but parents, for those of you that presented your children, what a, what a blessing it is unto you for you to honor the Lord in that way that you would say, Lord, my child is yours. Not my child. It's your child. Thank you for the privilege, the honor to raise my child in your ways. And so what we see from this example of Jesus' life is that when we honor God, when we honor God, when we live honorably, what it does is it creates a release for what God has provided for us. So over the last couple of weeks, we saw that when we honor God, when we honor in the home, when we honor those entrusted to our care, when we honor those placed in authority over us, that it creates a flow from the kingdom of God into our lives and through our lives. And in like manner, my friends, I submit to you today that we must honor our peers. Today I want to invite you to join in with me as we look to the word of God. And that's very important for me to point out because I submit to you that you are not here for a church service. And I am not here to give you my opinion. Listen, if we are to truly glean from God and honor God and, and get this secret source working in our lives, then it takes understanding that we are looking to God's word. And we are allowing God to speak. Come on, am I in a house of people that honor God and say, God, I'm open to what you have for my life. Speak to me today. So today I want to talk to you on the topic of honoring people among us. Honoring people among us. You know, people among us are those that operate in our current sphere of influence. These are people that we routinely cross paths with, that we rub shoulders with. These are people that we share similar experiences. There are commonalities that we have in common with them. And while we come across them routinely, the truth is that in this particular sphere of relationships, we don't always take interest in them beyond what's necessary. Hear what I'm saying. And when we do take interest in those among us, it's usually for what we get from them. Therein begins to lie a problem. It reminds me of the story of these two elderly men that were in a hospital. They both had no family. They were bedridden. They were elderly. And they were in this facility. And one, one slept on the side of the room on his bed that was closest to the wall. The other on the other side of the curtain that was in between their room, slept in the bed that was by the window. And every day, these guys created a camaraderie of sorts, a routine, 
where they would talk to each other and the conversation was primarily comprised of what the gentleman on the side of the room uh, saw from the window. And so he would share about the clouds and the sky and the weather and the park and the kids that were playing on a soccer field and the colors that he saw in the trees. And the gentleman that was on the other side of the room next to the wall looked forward to these, to these, to these conversations because he could envision what it must look like. He imagined, he longed for it. And so one day, during one of these conversations, the man by the window begins to tell him, begins to tell him about a parade. And he tells him about all these floats and all these cars and all these people and all these children and balloons and ice cream trucks and all this energy and the beautiful weather and everything. And this man was rejoicing as he's hearing this. But at the same time, something began to happen in his heart that was wrong. You see, he began to despise this man. He began to resent him because, you see, he wanted to see out the window too. And so envy and jealousy began to rise up in his heart. Well, later on that night, as they were both in bed and everybody's asleep or should have been, this gentleman by the wall happens to hear his neighbor on the other side of the curtain by the window begin to cough. <coughs> and what started off as a cough here, a cough there, became incessant. <coughs> And it became worse. And this gentleman laid in his bed with his hand right by his emergency call button. But he stood in silence. He did nothing. Eventually, the cough died down and he fell asleep. The next morning, the nurse came in, as she usually did, to wake them up, to get them ready for the day, to get them their food. And she walks in and she turns to the man by the wall and she, she greets him and she's asking him how his morning is and she helps him get ready. And then she goes, as, routine, as her routine called for, she went to the other side of the curtain and she goes to this man and the gentleman on the side of the wall hears her call his neighbor's name a few times. It becomes apparent that there's concern by, by the tone of her voice and, and the continual requests, you know, the continual uh, uh, appeal to, are you awake? Well, as you figured out by now, this man, just, he died. So after all the nurses, all the doctors come in and they verify this and they usher this man out, a nurse comes in and she begins to change the linens and the bed, preparing it for someone else. And the man all this time by the wall laid in silence. He listened and he observed. And when the opportunity came, he said to her, sweetie, would you place me on that side of the room? Would you put me in that bed? She said, oh, absolutely. So they, they get it done. And after everybody leaves the room, he, he finds the strength. He musters up all the strength that he can just to get up enough where he could see over the radiator and look out the window and Guess what he saw? A brick wall. At that point, this man begins to rant and rave in anger, in disbelief and disappointment. How could he do this to me? Why would he talk about skies and parades and trees and parks? It's a brick wall. And the nurse who happened to be in the room says to him, maybe he saw something you couldn't. I'll tell you why I share this story with you. Because it illustrates the harsh reality for many today. We pass by people among us. We use them as long as it suits us. And oftentimes, we dismiss them, not realizing that there is something that they might see 
there's something that God wants us to see that we often miss. And it's important for us to consider what the scripture says, what God has to say about this issue of honor. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 28. And it starts off by saying, Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, meaning Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? What's most important? And Jesus answered him, The first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, here's where you start working with me, right? You're going to preach with me here, right? He says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with what? And with what? All of it. This is the first commandment. And then watch this. And the second is what? Like it. It's like it. You shall love your neighbor as what? Yourself. So there is no other commandment greater than these. I'm going to repeat the words of Jesus. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, my friend, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. The scribe in these verses was a man who lived according to Jewish law. And one thing that we must understand about Jewish law is that it did not just simply prescribe how men were to relate to God. It prescribed back then the obligation they had and how they could be pleasing before God. Now, here's why that's important to know, because how many of you know that we mess things up? Right? Here's the difference between then and today. Back then, when man messed up, man was responsible to get together a sacrifice and an offering to make himself right with God. Aren't you glad that today we have Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he provides? That it doesn't fall on you? Because how many of you know even the sacrifices and offerings we mess up? Right? Let's just be honest, right? So the reason why I point that out is because sacrifice and offerings were paramount. They were essential to relationship with God. And in this moment, what we see is that this man has a revelation. His understanding is open to a greater truth than his religion and the sacrifices and offerings that he had been depending upon to be in relationship with God. This man came to understand that loving God and honoring him is synonymous with loving our neighbors and honoring them. Let me say that again because that's important. Loving God and honoring him is synonymous. Let me put it this way to you. It is equal. It is equal. These are the words of Jesus. It is equal with loving our neighbors and honoring them. Now that is a powerful statement. It's a powerful statement that we should consider because the opposite of this is also true. And this is where many drop the ball. This is where we go wrong. Listen closely. Not loving and honoring our neighbor is synonymous with not loving 
and honoring God. Not loving your neighbor is equal to not loving God. And how do we know this? Again, I'm not giving you my opinion. The scripture says this. Jesus said, the second commandment is like the first one. It's the equivalent. It's the equivalent. And so I submit to you that that person that you call your enemy is your neighbor. You know that coworker that drives you up the wall? That's your neighbor. You know that person that you don't know that you walk by every single day? That's your neighbor. I'll prove it to you. The word neighbor, according to the original meaning here in the language in Greek, is one who is a fellow man or a countryman. It's one who is near. But get this, that one is any other person. Any other. Any other. And so notice that our neighbors, according to the scripture, is not a person who holds a special title. It's not a person who holds a particular place in your life. They're not even related to us. A neighbor is any other person who is near and is a fellow, one who is equal in rank, in power, and standing. Let me put it to you this way. Last time I checked, we bleed the same blood. We breathe the same air. We experience some of the very same challenges. Hello? Go ahead and tell somebody, hey, neighbor. How you doing? Listen closely. Let me take it a step further. Your neighbor is the person right next to you now. The person that you sat a chair in between just so that you're not close. The person that you said, I know Pastor Ness said as we're sitting down, go ahead and tell somebody hello. But you, you, you kind of did one of these. Right? Am I talking to somebody? That's your neighbor. So get this. This challenges our view on honor. Because if we're honest, and I pray that you're being honest right now with yourself. I know it's hard to do that sometimes, but we have to face the reality. If we're honest, what we know is this, is that we are all prone to only honor those we know and are somehow related to. And I submit to you that there's no honor in that. I submit to you that if that is your approach, when it comes to honor, you haven't even started honoring God. So therefore, we must look at an example of honor from the scriptures. We must look to God and his example. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5, gives us a good example. It says this, let this mind be in who? In you. No, not in, you, you, you talking to me or you talking to you? <laughs> Let's try this again. Let this mind be in me. me. Yeah. Let this mind be in you and me and us which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. That is a slave who willingly stays a slave. 
and coming in the likeness of men. Let me just pause right here and just break that down for you real quick. Here's what the scripture is saying. That Jesus being a part of the Godhead, being in his heavenly throne, did not consider it robbery to have to lay down his crown. To become like us as men. To be subject to the abuses and the challenges of life. It was not robbery to him. It was no loss to him. He did it willingly. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So what we see here is this, that God honored us. He honored us above his divinity and deity. He honored us above his power and authority. Even though we didn't deserve it, we're distant and had no knowledge of him. So if this is the way that God exemplified honor amongst men, I've got a question for you. Shouldn't that be the way we honor each other? Let me ask you a question for personal reflection. How are you doing? in this issue of honor. Be honest with yourself. Could it be that the reason why you have some complications in your relationships is because you'd rather honor yourself than honor others? Could it be that the issue is not he or her or him or that or this or they? Could it be that the issue, it, mind you, if you're having an issue in all these areas of your life, maybe the issue isn't the people. Maybe it's you, the common denominator. And could it be that the issue is a lack of honor? My friend, I got good news for you. God has nothing but the best for you. Relationship with God is not about religion. And it's not about imposing rules upon you. It's not about making you change yourself. If we could change ourselves, then guess what? We don't need God. We are God. So what's my point? My point is this. That oftentimes, many of us, and if the shoe fits, please don't wear it. It's time to change it. But my, my point is this, that many of us, sometimes we think we understand honor. And we don't. Because if we can't even honor our fellow man, how could we ever expect to be honored? To see God's hand working in our life. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to give you just some keys, some practical application steps. Now listen, as simple as this application is, an application is no good unless you apply it. And I pray that today, God, would it open your heart that you would hear the voice of God and that you would see that God has something so much better for you if we would just simply begin to apply this secret sauce to our lives, to live with honor. The first application point that I want to leave you with here today is that to honor those among us, it must be a mindset within us. To honor those among us, it must be a mindset within us. Let me remind you that when we were looking at Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5, it said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Do you know what that is telling us? That Jesus Christ did not just act honorably, he thought honorably. It was a way of thinking. It was a mindset driven by a deep embedded belief that honor is what I do wherever I go. And I know for some of us, right about now, you're going, yeah, well, you don't know my situation. My friend, could it be that you don't know God? Could it be? No judgment in that. I'm just simply saying, we got to get to this issue of honor. See, toward the end of his earthly life, Jesus gave us a great example of a mindset of honor. In John 13, and we're going to look at one verse in that in a minute, uh, the Lord Jesus washed the disciples' feet as a slave would. Now, just for context, in those days, we didn't have those holes in our, that we have today in our homes where, you know, everything just goes away when you use the bathroom. You know, like it just magically disappears. They didn't have those then. They weren't sewer systems. So what does that mean? Wherever animals went, wherever people went, it was right there in the street. And so in these days, a homeowner of means who had a slave would honor his guests by ensuring that the slave would wash their feet. It was a service of honor. It was an honor that the host would bestow upon his guests. And so what we're going to see is that Jesus was honoring them by washing their feet. But we have to question, why would Jesus honor them this way? John 13, 1 says it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, listen to this, he loved them how long? To the end. To the end. What does this tell us about a mindset of honor? It tells us that honor is a pre-decision. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Before Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he already knew that they would deny him, that they would abandon him, that they would fall asleep on him in his darkest hour. And he knew that Judas would betray him with a kiss. And yet, he washed his feet. Jesus had made his mind up before you can ever betray me, stab me in the back, mistreat me, dishonor me, talk junk about me. Before you could ever do that, I've already made up my mind that I will honor you. My friend, listen closely. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's with your children, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your workplace, if you wait till the moment that calls for you to respond with honor, you already missed it. You know why? Because you didn't already make that decision. See, if honor unto those among us is contingent upon who it is and what they do and if they deserve it and if they'll receive it and if they honor us in return, the truth is that we do not understand honor. We are not living honorably. And get this, you don't truly honor God. 
Jesus said that, not me. So, therefore, it is important that we make a decision. And I can't stress the urgency of this enough. If you haven't made that decision, the decision is now. It has to be right now in this moment. Right here, right now. Now that you see this, now that you understand this, now is the time. Because if you don't do it now, guess what? Your answer to it will eventually be no. It's now. Honor is a now decision. It's not for tomorrow. It's not for when someone dishonors me. It's not for when I'm ready for it. No, if it's not now, you'll never see it tomorrow because you didn't begin with it today. Which leads me to my next point of application. And it's this, it's that honor empowers us to see anear those who are far from God. Honor empowers us to see anear those who are far from God. This scribe, this man was one who was far from God. He relied upon the law. He relied upon his religion. He relied upon his sacrifices. He relied upon his good works. Can I tell you that just because you're a good person doesn't mean that your heart is good. It just means that we act good on occasion. The problem is not the actions, it's the heart. That's the issue. So this man was afar from God, but what I love about this moment is that we see that God was not far from him. My friend, God is not far from you. This man was seeking to understand the ways, the laws, the manners of the kingdom of God that activated its release in his life. Literally, he was seeking for what is this secret sauce that brings heaven's influence down into earth and in my life and through my life. And what we see is that when this man got a revelation that was more important and superseded his reliance upon his behavior and the laws and the sacrifices that he depended upon, when he got a revelation of something greater than that, what he realized was that there was something else that he was drawing near to. Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, you aren't as far from God's kingdom as you think. Can I tell you that reading a Bible doesn't bring you closer to God? I'm not saying don't read the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. Let me, let me just be clear on this. How would you know about a person if you never learn about them? Right? So we need the word of God. But what I'm saying is if we just read the word of God to say, well, I'm good with God because I read the Bible. No, you're not. Because you go to church and you give your offerings and you behave a certain way and you talk a certain way. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, bless you, brother. It's like you, you, you have this whole other, I don't know, a, 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 an accent that you develop. Right? Right? We start, we start using words that we don't even use like, thou art amazing. Right? Like, like that makes us more holy. And what it actually does is it punches holes in our false understanding of God. Let me ask you a question. What, what do you think would have been the outcome 
if Jesus had never engaged this man in this conversation? What would have happened if Jesus never saw him beyond his imperfections? I submit to you that he would have not drawn near to God. Jesus didn't ignore him. He didn't dismiss him. Despite his religious uh, adherence to laws, despite not really knowing God, Jesus drew near to him. See, he would never have been able to truly come near to God. Let me ask a question. Are there any nearsighted people here? Where my glasses wears, you're nearsighted. So for those of you that are nearsighted, here's what you understand. Here's what you know you can relate to. That when you take your glasses off, what is far appears blurry. Right? And so you put on your frames, and all of a sudden, what's afar and blurry becomes clear and near. I think that for some of us, what we need to do is put on a new set of frames. Listen closely why. Listen closely why. Because when you put on frames that have lenses of honor, you will see past the muck, the mess-ups, the imperfections, the things you don't like, and you will recognize that within all that mess, within all those things that you don't like, there is something beautiful. There's something worth redeeming. There's something worth drawing near to that they might come to know God. We have an example of this, and we're not going to read it, but in Luke 15, and I encourage you, please, don't be that person that just says, the preacher said it, so it must be true. No, go open your Bible, and if you don't have one, get yourself a Bible app. If you've never looked at the Bible, I encourage you, go look at this story in Luke 15. It's a parable, and this parable's intention is to teach us the ways of God's kingdom, to give us principles, to enlighten us to how God operates on the earth and what he wants to do in our lives. And so in this parable, Jesus says that there's a father, and he has two sons. And the youngest son comes to the father, and he says, Dad, give me my inheritance. Here's what he's literally saying. I wish you were dead, but because you're alive, I don't want to wait. So give me what you would give me when you die. How dishonorable is that? The, the scripture says that the father gives all his possessions to both his children, to both his sons. So this younger son leaves the house, and he goes... Party! Let's get it! And he goes out there, and the Bible says that he engages in wasteful living. While the word prodigal does speak of wastefulness, here's what it also alludes to. Excessive lavishing. It's like over the top. Right? So this guy engages in that, but then all of a sudden things get bad. See, he wastes all those resources and then a famine hits, and everybody's hungry, and things are going bad everywhere. It kind of sounds like the world we live in today. And the Bible says that this young man, at that point, he finds himself working for a guy who extended him a hand, but he was really stabbing him in the back. The guy says, you could feed my pigs. I'll take care of you. Take care of my pigs. And the Bible says that as he's taking care of these pigs, that one day he looks upon the pigs, and he goes, man... Man, that rotten meat sure looks good. I wish I could have a piece of that. He begins to long for the pods and the food that these pigs were eating, which tells us something. He's probably in the pen with them. He's probably all muddied up. He's probably got a stench on him, right? 
And so he's carrying all this, he's going through all this, and he's hungry and lacking. And then he has this thought, he says, you know, back in my father's house, even the slaves eat better than what I'm eating. These servants who were slaves, he says to them, he says, he, he says man, they eat better than me. And then he prepares a little speech and he says, I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to say, hey, dad, I really messed up, but I don't even have a right to be called your son anymore. So could you at least make me like one of your slaves? Could you make me like one of your servants that I might just have some bread? So he, as he's approaching the father, the Bible says that afar off in this parable, the father sees the son. And the father says, quick, my son is here. He's back. Get my ring. Get a robe, a brand new robe. Get sandals for his feet. And what you have to understand is this, that this guy is probably filthy with mud. He stinks. But none of that keeps the father from recognizing him. Look at the frames that God wears. My friend, this is how God sees you. Past your anger, past your addiction, past your imperfections, past your situations. And mind you, if God sees all men this way, listen, God's not mad at you. God's not even condemning you. The scripture says that he loved the world so that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But who are we to see people differently? See, when you honor those among you, you see the best in their worst moments. You believe the best. There's a husband who needs to hear. There's a wife who needs. There's a parent who needs to hear that. There's someone who's been betrayed who needs to hear that. Which leads me to my last point here for application. And it's this. It's that honoring those among us reveals if we value what God has done in us. Let me say that again. Honoring those among us reveals if we value what God has done in us. Notice that Jesus stated, and the scribe had the same understanding as Jesus. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. You know, that tells us something. That to love and honor your neighbor requires you appreciating the honor that God has bestowed upon you. Now, I just want you to take a quick moment to self-evaluate. Are you still breathing? Do you still have strength? Are you somehow still standing despite what you've been through? Isn't it interesting that somehow, well, should I really say some who? Some who is working in your life, even though you might not acknowledge him or even think about him, even though you may not attribute it to him. But my friend, you did not make it to this point on your own and you cannot make it going forward on your own. There is a God that loves you and sees you and is reaching out to you and is caring for you. Why? Because you are valuable. 
And listen closely to why this is so important. Because how we value God in our life really is the key to if we will truly honor those among us. I love what a woman here is doing. I'm, I'm going to actually just ask everybody, do, do yourself a favor. Give yourself a hug for a moment. Like seriously. Like yeah, like seriously. Like, like it's cool. Like it's not awkward. It's all right. It's all right. You need to love yourself. You need to value yourself. You need to understand that your, your life is worth more than what you've been told and for some of us what we might believe. And why is that important? Let me tell you why that's important. 1 John 4, 16 and 17, and then we're going to read verse 19, puts it this way. And so we know and rely on the love of God, on the love God has for us. God is what? He's love. And whoever lives in love lives in what? In God. And God in them. This is how love is made complete. Get what the scripture is saying. This is how love actually works. This is how it brings everything full circle. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Listen to this. In this world, we are like Jesus. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Now let me point you to what the scripture says. That when you understand that God loves you, you live in God and he lives in you. But watch this. You can then love others with that same love. And I submit to you that for some of us, we've been seeking God. Maybe you quit on God. But I want you to look to your left and your right. Like literally, look to your left and your right. Because he just showed up. Love your neighbor. You know, I don't know what anybody believes here. Let's stand here as we come to a close. But I really do believe that this is a holy moment, a God-ordained, appointed moment. Hear why I say that. Because when was the last time that you actually stopped to think about the impact of love in your life and through your life? Have you ever stopped to consider that you, your life, is more than just something to exist randomly in this world? That you are a channel for God to pour his love into and to pour his life through unto others. Do you not realize that you are a walking solution filled with the love of God? Something that, someone that God wants to use to introduce himself, not just to you, but through you. And I would say this to you as we close. That love is made complete when we understand this. God, you truly love me. Despite my mistakes, despite all the people I've hurt, despite all the bridges I've burned, despite all the things I've done and the things that I plan on doing even when I leave here, 
love me. We don't know love that way in this world. It seems like a fantasy, a fairy tale. Can I tell you, my friend? It is when we as men try to do it on our own. But when you allow God space in your life, it begins to undo the hurts, the hate, the hang-ups, the issues of the heart. Look, I don't stand here perfect before you. Please don't let this pastor title fool you. I'm a man. And I stand here today before you. Many, many, many people here stand today before you and online, not because we've arrived, but because we left because we understood that God loves us so much that you don't belong in that pit, that God has given you a table in his palace, that you are valuable to him. Today, I think it's important to reflect, what is God speaking to me? To consider what the Word of God is saying. And what is God telling you? Whatever God is speaking to you today, can I give you a good piece of advice? Apply it. It's a key. It'll transform your life. Start there. Let's take a moment just to just get before God. Father, thank you for your word. It is truth. Scriptures say, Lord, that your word is like a two-edged sword, that it cuts deep. And that the truth in your word, like a sword, it goes to, to the point where it divides what we think and what we believe. That it divides bone and marrow. That it touches not just our mind and our spirit and our soul and our understanding, but it also touches us physically. It brings healing to us. It brings healing to our lives. And Lord, today, here we are before you, recipients of the truth in your word. And I pray, Lord, that right here, right now, because your word is the dividing factor and it brings healing, Lord, that today it would open up our understanding, shine light in our darkened eyes and help us to see the power of your love and what you want to do through our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to us today. It's very possible today that there's someone here in this house, maybe you're online. I don't know, maybe you're catching this later on YouTube or on a replay. But it's very possible there's someone here today, man, you've been, you've been grinding in life, running the rat race, doing you, and you're none the better. You're tired, you're weary, you're angry, you're frustrated. You keep trying and trying and trying and doing the same thing and thinking that somehow it's going to lead to different results. And my friend, I submit to you that you've been doing it on your own. And you don't understand that God honors you so much that he addressed the very issue at the heart of it. It's not behavior. It's an issue of sin. We all mess up. And the reason why it's important to think about that is because we mess up, for some of us, we live with the shame of that. But you see, God loves you and I so much that he said, I need to address the issue because you can't. Because you'll always drop the ball. Anybody in the house? Tested that with me? Come on, that's me. Yeah, that's us. But get this. God is so good that he said, because they will continue to drop the ball and they can't pay the price that's due for this sin, they can't render the sacrifice necessary, I'll become like them and I'll do it for them. You know what that means? There's no longer a price that you have to pay. 
you're absolved of that, you're free of it. And you're free now to experience life on a completely different level. You're forgiven. My friend, if you believe that today, if you desire that for your life, if you're longing for new beginnings, maybe you grew up in the church like I did, hated it. You never understood God. You never felt near to God. You saw the, 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 the fakeness of, of what they said, but what they did. I'm not judging them. I'm just simply saying we've, some of us have experienced that. My point with that is simply this. That today's the day. Now is the moment to make a decision for true change. And if that's you, my friend, and you are in the house or you are online, I want you to do something bold with us because nobody's looking at you and we're not into embarrassing anyone. If you believe that Jesus loves you and that God wants to give you a new beginning, then today's the day to acknowledge that. Raise your hand with us. Let God begin to work in your life. Come on, there's no shame in that. It's all good. The reason why we want to see your hand is not because we're into numbers. It's because you count. It's because you matter. It's because you are a VIP. You are very important to God, and therefore you are very important to us, neighbor. And so today, we're going to pray this with you. And I want to encourage you, if you're online and you're giving us an emoji or whatever, fill out that connect card. If you're here, fill out that card. We want to walk alongside you on this journey. It's not meant to be done alone, but let's pray this together. Say this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you love me and I matter to you. Today I declare that your sacrifice on my behalf is good enough. And therefore, I'm good in your eyes. Today I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And I honor you. And I thank you for new beginnings. Come on now, if you pray that, we are celebrating God working in your life. You are not alone. You have a new beginning. And we look forward to encouraging you and walking alongside you on this journey. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.